We're going to get back into the story. I'm going to put you back on screen here. We're going to get back into the story. You said you have already had this procedure done. All went well, and you're feeling well. So that is good news. It's yet to be determined whether it helped or not, because it's that kind of thing. They do a procedure, and then did it work? Got to find out. Really? So it's just kind of a time will tell deal for that. It takes, it takes weeks. Okay. Months. Okay. You have to discontinue the medication that you're on. Really? If the physical, physical operation worked, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on, I'm on a medication that keeps my heart rhythm perfect. Okay. Well, we're going to, we wish you all the best on that. Certainly. I mean, you guys, you guys have a lot of really exciting stuff coming up. Let's talk a little bit about the new album. Uh, this is slated to be released on June 28th. This is going to be your 20th album. Um, do, do you have a title in mind for this? And are, do you have a, a time frame when you might be releasing the title to the public? I can't even answer that. <laughs> if that is confidential information. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> but you guys um, recently uh, re-released the uh, the the documentary, and how did that go? How how was it received again for the second time around? Uh, to be honest with you, we were so absorbed in touring that I it was like we didn't even notice. <laughs> really. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, we did like close to 200 shows last year. So, it, 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 we're, you know, if that happened, it along, it, it, but it was like, okay, whatever. And then you're off to Europe. So, you're not even around to see what was going on when, when it was going on because it came, out, it came out in North America and then went to Europe. So, it, it was like, we don't know what happened. Right. <laughs> What happened? It went into a few theaters. People uh, must have seen it again. There's still, it, it got picked up by, uh, uh, I forget, what, Showcase. Got picked up by Showcase. Uh, and that's where it went. Wow. So you guys, um, you know, you guys, of course, are from Canada and everything. Um, you know, I've I've I remember seeing you guys back in when Hit Par- Hit Parader was out in the eighties. I'd see you guys as ad and in you know Circus Magazine, Hit Parader, and all this stuff. And and your guys were awesome. I, I was into Saxon and all these bands, all these British bands, and, and and I think you guys to me sounded way more British. And I know there's so many Canadian bands out there. You know, for like Triumph, Rush, Loverboy, April Wine. Were you influenced with any of the Canadian bands, or were you just pretty much into all of the uh, the British heavy metal. I, I was a huge April, April Wine fan. Still am, obviously. We even, we even became friends with Miles over the last few years. And it, it, it's really been very hard to kind of deal with the fact that he's gone. It's just yeah. happened so suddenly to, from our perspective. It's like, what the hell? I was just emailing him, you know, a couple of weeks ago. What the what the hell happened? 
Yeah. You know, he didn't even tell the guys in his band he was sick. So uh, it was completely shocking. Yeah. Um, other influences for, by Canadian bands, the only, other, the only other one would be Frank Marino, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Uh, playing, I always have. I think he's one of the greatest guitar players of all time. He's one of those, he's one of those guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I want to loop. I want to loop back a little bit, if you don't mind. Uh, I've read some recent comments from you about your songwriting process and how, for you, it just it's smoother when it's uninterrupted. And I, you know, I, I think what that what you meant by that is you you kind of finish the songs and present them to the other guys so they can add their accompaniments to that. When it comes to how you write, do you typically start with riffs? Do you start with lyrics? And when it's uninterrupted like that, it, 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 does it flow out pretty effortless, effortlessly for you? Yeah, it's actually pretty, pretty fascinating. Um, I, I discover what I'm doing because it, it, that's how you fell into it. You just discover it. You're just playing. It's not. It's not like you're looking for anything. You just start playing, and then you're playing something new. You get all the. Oh, it's going to do this part. It's going to do that part, and then I hit record. Yeah. <laughs> on, my, on my machine, and I, I play an arrangement. I just play an arrangement, whatever feels good. And then sometimes I don't have like the guitar solo section worked out, so I make it up as I'm going. And the song gets basically written in the first or second pass. Wow. Uh, um, and the quicker that, that that happens and the more easily that happens, the more catchy the song is. <laughs> yeah, and you don't really get any resistance from the other guys, do you? I mean, they don't ever come to you and say, "Hey, like, I, I feel like I'm not enough part of this process." It, it seems like it works well the way it's working now. Do you agree? In fact, it's 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 quite amazing. Like, like, um, you know, I'll take a piece like that into the into the into the rehearsal place where it's all arranged and stuff, and then when the accompaniment comes in doing. They're doing things like that are unexpected to me within my arrangement. Within my arrangement, they're doing stuff that is actually changing the whole shape and form of what I've actually put together. <laughs> right. It's yeah. remarkable. By putting a stop or a start or a pause, when you think that the whole band should be playing, and all of a sudden there's no bass or drums, it's just... My guitar is going, and you're going, what's that? <laughs> oh, oh, it's like a re-entry. Holy shit. Right. So so really, they are a big part of, of the process, even though the song is pretty much finished. Yeah, it's teamwork. It's teamwork. Yeah. You need good accompaniment, and you haven't got anything. Honestly, it's, it's, just, it's just a guitar part. So what? It's not a song. Sure. <laughs> song that everybody's playing and then you put vocals on top of it right <laughs> which is an entirely different process right we're definitely anxious yeah. to hear it now you did mention about your you guys have been touring a lot and you you weren't able to uh, to enjoy any kind of uh, see what kind of was going on with the re-release of the documentary 
Um, what, what's the what's the cost of touring now out of Canada? I mean, is it uh, the prices are high? The fuel prices are high. What's it like for a band like you to go out on tour these days? Oh, we've we've found ways of making it work. We found ways of making it work. You know, we're not going out. We're not going out like we're millionaires. Right. And then all of a sudden, you've got money in your pocket. Sure. So it depends on what you're capable of. Of, I guess you could say, putting up with what you're capable of putting up with. There's many bands that would be our age that wouldn't wouldn't do it the way that we they wouldn't bother doing it at all. <laughs> Yeah, but when you have no choice, it's either you know do it do it the frugal way or don't do it at all. It's probably a, a pretty easy choice, I would imagine. Um, I wanted I want to also ask you. Uh, we were doing a lot of research on you getting ready for this interview, and uh, you know I, I can tell that you guys you guys do enjoy injecting humor into the content of your music sometimes like bitch in the box. Okay. I saw the title and I thought, Oh, I'll bet that's about a, maybe an ex-girlfriend or something. Lo and behold, it's about the female voice on a GPS system. Great song, hilarious video, awesome stuff. Why do you feel it's important to inject humor uh, into your writing sometimes when so many other metal musicians are reluctant to do that? They want to keep it real serious. Well, it's easy. it's way easier to keep it serious. Yeah, true. It's way easier to keep it serious because if you step out of those boundaries in a, in a, in, a, in a metal genre, you get you're a joke band. You're I'm already faced with these things. I'm just saying that what it is, you know, because you know, metal people don't have a sense of humor, I suppose, but it's actually it's not it's it's not that easy to be calm and get away with it. It's really hard, actually. True. It's one of the most difficult things. Why? Why do I choose to do that? Because it's part of my personality. It's how I get through, get myself through life is using humor. And I think that I think that uh, music is about expressing every every possible aspect of what what you are as a human being. So certainly, humor is part of my my personality, and if, uh, that's just the way it is. Right. So I'm not, and, and not afraid to bear it, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you guys' album, I, when I was going through your catalog, on you know, I noticed on Spotify, and you guys got so many records. I believe what you're on, what is that, your 20th record? This will be the 20th one yeah, coming 20th, up. 20th album coming up. But I did notice, you know, that one of the main albums that you guys were working on during your documentary, um, This Is 13, isn't on Spotify. Is there a reason why that the album isn't uh, stream available? We haven't re-released it. Okay. We're not it's not signed to any label or anything. Okay. Right. So you're not going to put, you can't, you're not able to put that out there because of that reason? We haven't signed it to another label again. Gotcha. It's not going to be on there. You don't foresee it ever being on there. You can always order it from us. <laughs> Right. Speaking of uh, record labels, you know, you guys were, of course, signed to Attic when you guys came out, and you were signed to Metal Blade, uh, Enigma, Roadrunner. Um, tell me some of those uh, experiences with some of those uh, late labels like Metal Blade. Did you uh, enjoy working with those guys? 
to be honest, it's labels are just labels. I don't I don't know that I don't know that there's one is in in particular better than the other, and, and I say that even to this day. I don't think that there's such thing as a, a, a fairness in the business and even the way the, that the whole entire business works. So did anyone ever give me a fair shake? No. No, they never do. Yeah. It's, it's not shocking. And, and, and that's even a nice way. It's, that's even a nice way of putting it. So that kind of leads me well into my next question. It's not necessarily about labels, but at, in the documentary, Slash makes a comment at the start of the movie where he, he says he feels like back in the day, bands were ripping you guys off and then left you for dead. Do you share that sentiment with Slash? Yeah, of course. There's, there's a lot of things that were, were wronged. But the only way to, to really talk about it is in is in a, in a retrospect. I mean, that's in a twenty twenty vision. But you know, when you're going through it, you don't see it that way. Um, no management, no real proper management. I mean, the, the wrong, the wrong. Yeah, you know, there's you guys. But, but the wrong manager, because we were a part of a, a, a something that he didn't actually comprehend at the time. So he's not, and we're not being handled by the right guy. So as soon as you got those kind of things happening, you're going to trip and fall, and that's that's where it begins and ends, really. Yeah. You know, am I going to blame myself? Yeah, for making the wrong decisions of going with the wrong guy. You know, I trust him to the wrong person. What are you going to do, man? Right. But it, choice: Am I going to go with this new guy on the block, or am I going to go with the proven guy who's who's got mega who's mega mega successful? The biggest names in the music business have been managed by this guy, and the other guy hasn't got anybody on his roster yet. Yeah. Who am I going with? Sure. Yeah. You know, and one, you know, you guys influenced a lot of those bands, you know, like Megadeth and Anthrax and and Metallica. And and to me, I love the, all the rock documentaries. That I mean, there's nothing better than rock documentaries. And I loved your loved your documentary. And of course, Metallica, they put out uh, some kind of monster. And you know, the difference between those two documentaries, in my mind, is there's one with a band who's trying to make it. You know, putting all their heart and soul in, in driving in a van, working their day jobs, and then you have some kind of monster where these guys are trying to get along after they, they made millions of dollars. You know, and, and they're sitting around bitching and, and, and complaining about you know their life, and here you guys are in this van going to all these whole you know these these clubs and you know and 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 trying to make it. I mean, that's the like, night and day of documentaries. You know. It's completely diametrically, completely different or opposite. Yeah, it's opposite. It's it's it, 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 and it's funny because you know the extra footage for for the Anvil movie. There's 
there's, uh, there's an interview with Lars that's absolutely fascinating. Because he, when he starts talking about he's going as bad as you think that Anvil had it, they had it better than us because at least they've been having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and well, you know, it did land you guys to where you got to open up for ACDC and Saxon. Two amazing bands. To me, you guys are, you know, sound, especially your early music, sound a lot like Saxon to me. And I love Saxon. But what was it like to get to get that call to open up for ACDC? Um, well, it was an interesting thing because it, it was it was it was a result it was a result of uh, Angus same movie, um, and and I think also Malcolm's Malcolm's son. Um, and they really told me to let's get Anvil f- to open up for a few dates. That's what it turned into. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were a lot of a of, of opportunities, not not just from there, but even from 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 Ozzy. There was uh, from from uh, you know a few others like that too. But you can't do them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're doing one thing and they're asking you to do another. You're not going to go do it. You can't. Yeah. You're committed to one thing, so you can't go running. It doesn't work like that. Right. So, um, yeah, to get asked for by ACDC, yeah, it's amazing. I think one of the most amazing moments was introducing my five or six year old son. <laughs> wow. I mean, was 10 by then. He's probably about ten uh, to Angus. You know, he's already a, a long time ACDC fan, and he got to meet Angus. <laughs> That's incredible. That's cool. Kids, so it's those are, those are that's pretty cool <laughs> super cool i know we're darting around a lot but there, there's several things i want to cover with you in the documentary we kind of get a pretty clear picture of the level of support that rob had from his parents and it seems like he had quite a bit of support in his journey to make music his career i didn't get the sense that you had the same level of support from your parents i know your dad got you a guitar when you were nine and but but I wasn't I didn't get the sense that you had that same level. Talk a little bit about that, and was that just further inspiration to, that drove you to want to make this work? Yeah, that's actually a main driving a main driving force. Okay. There was no grief at all. <laughs> And, and when it actually finally did happen, um, my mother was in disbelief. Mm. <laughs> wow. It was hard for her to actually fathom that the musician is more famous than the doctor. Right? <laughs> I think my father. What do I mean by that? My older brother. Right. Wow. You know, you so, and you and Rob. Uh, go ahead. I had no really virtually. Somehow they figured. I guess my mother still at least at least sent me for guitar lessons, but of course with no knowledge of where she's sending me or why. 
So, of course, I'm taking lessons that were really of consequence. Yeah. You know, it's like a kind of, let's get them to guitar lessons, but the guy's not teaching me anything. Right. Had I gone to a guy like myself that I am now, when I I did teach guitar for, if I really wish that I had a teacher like I was, because at least after the first lesson I was playing smoke on the water and iron man, you know what I mean? Rather than never being able to fuck play at all, or you need to have a clue. What, what the guy's doing on the records the, the guy's does the, the idiot that's teaching you you know what I mean yeah uh, that's the thing when you, if, most kids they need to go if they're going to go for lessons they need to go to a teacher who's going to teach them the songs that they prefer to hear and listen to and then at least they'll be motivated to play right you know, but playing playing some jazz piece of music is it's like, what the hell is this? I didn't even know what it, what it was. Right. I go from Ape and Ape and I'm going, why am I learning this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you and Rob have, you know, basically have been a family uh, for many, many years. Um, you know, you guys started out as a four piece and then you guys kind of brought it down to a three piece, but the two guys who remain is, is you and Rob. And, you know, you guys got that, the amazing classic, uh, cover for the movie was just you two. Tell me a little bit about your brotherhood with Rob and, and, and are you guys uh, still getting along and everything still great between the two of you? Oh, absolutely. We both have the same things at stake since day one right yeah it's it's just keeping an, an equality that that makes it all work it, 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 you know i've been it's been over 50 years yeah at this and started playing with them in 63 in 73 mm. 1973 so that's a long time very it, it's a kid's dream but we know, we know by instinct, I suppose, of how to do it. Because when we, right upon meeting, we began writing. That's what we realized that instantly. I was only, I was only uh, 17, and, I, I, and Rob was 15. So the second we played together, I mean, I'm playing stuff I'm making up on the spot and he was playing along with me like we played the song a million times. I mean, that's, that's pretty bizarre when you think about it. And we all know each other. We hadn't hadn't even really had a discussion about anything. And we just started playing. We'd gone to a friend's house, a mutual friend of ours, who's a guitar player. And we're all set up in the in the basement, and we, uh, you know, first we started out with the two guitars and the drums, but and playing, you know, you know, Johnny Big Bad and 
whatnot at the time. Yeah, whatever, you know, Johnny Williams' version of Johnny Be Good and Jumpin' Jack Flash, the Johnny Winter, stuff like that, and just kind of old standards or standards at the time. And of course, immediately we started, I, I started, you know, talking about all the red grand funk. And then all the, oh yeah, you know, that, that was the, immediately started doing some riffs with Rob like that. And I'm going, oh, cool. And before uh, very long, I, I just started playing whatever was coming to mind. And Rob just started playing along and away we go, right? Yeah. And going, what song is that? We both look at each other and go, we don't know. We're making it up as we go. <laughs> It's a special bond, <laughs> special bond for you know, sure. I know you guys are, you know, a three piece and, 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 and it's the folk main focus is you and Rob, but you know, during the documentary, your bassist, uh, I guess he was on seven albums, um, uh, Glenn five. I, I'm not sure why that there, there was a breakup there. I like the new guy, uh, Chris Robertson. He, he looks like he, he fits with you guys real well. He seems like he's got some sense of humor. He's, he, great singer uh sings his backups and he looks like he's up there having fun but uh tell me a little bit about you know the the breakup with you and and glenn i I know he was out there calling you guys you know grumpy old man and everything are you guys on speaking terms with glenn still or 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 do you not talk to him anymore he walked away Mm. he walked away because he he wasn't the star of the show considered insignificant and the other aspect is I don't think he was ever he was never praised because he he didn't uh, I guess truth be be told when the right guy got got hired it's a completely different different world yeah Mm. completely different complete so so different it's actually shocking like you said, the, 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 Chris fits. Glenn didn't fit. Hmm. And, 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 and inevitably, he realized that and left. That's what ultimately, ultimately happened. It was a transitional period for Anvil to go from to go from the four-piece format to to actually going to a three-piece format that works because you can't take a four-piece a four a four-piece band and instantly make it into a three-piece you need the you need you need the correct bass player yes okay you need the, a bass player who really can fill in for not and be audible right very 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 key key aspect is the audibility of is of the bass player especially in a three-piece band if you think about geezer butler you know exactly what i'm talking about yes factor of of grand funk three-piece bass player there's a certain sound to that certainly what rush did a really really top-notch bass player Number one, number two, ultimately more important than any guitar player, and what Anvil lost when Dave Allison walked out in the at the end of the nineties. 
or, or at the beginning of the 90s, <laughs> really. <laughs> so, because we lost the second voice. Right. Yeah. I tell you. That's a huge, huge thing, man. Yes. Again, to put into, you know, that's, that's the downfall. That's what the biggest difference and the, the loss, because the truth be told, in any kind of fast song, no matter whether it was Dave, Sebi, Ivan, didn't matter. Any of the very fast songs, it's all me playing. All of it. I tell you, tight and studio anyway. So everybody thinking they're listening to a four-piece band in some songs. Yeah. In some songs, not. And that goes right back to the first album. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the whole concept of two guitar players. Well, what are you doing with the two guitar players? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a, a big question about that too. Is and if you if you you know what we did originally having a second guitar we played composite rhythm rhythms to me not they weren't sometimes they were not they're not played in the same position on the neck they're not played in, in, in using the same techniques but somehow and in some way they work absolutely perfect together to make a specific sound okay that's using using a second guitar properly. Not and Dave was not a lead guitar player, so there was no particularly fundamentally reinforcement in the rhythm section. In other words, we took up for having a really top-notch bass player. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the biggest difference was the loss of the singing. Sure. So. We had for a number of years with with replacements. We had a great, great second guitar players, but we didn't have second voice. Right. So through all the time that we had the great double leg guitar playing, there's no double voices now. <laughs> right. So, and, and, and at the end of the day, when when we talk about that, then it's not that. Then it's not. It's overlooked. So what? You got two lead guitar players. So what? Who cares? Don't like this. The singing is, and your songs are not as captivating as they were before. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you got to admit, having a three-piece, it, it. I mean, logistically, it's simpler. You're dealing with one less personality, one less ego. I, I can see the benefits. And look at the band Kings X. I mean, how great are they as a three-piece? And that bass player is phenomenal. Uh, vocals are look at the cream if you look at look at look at the real three-piece band you gotta have the two guys have got to sing right <laughs> absolutely see that yes see that's why i thought maybe the the the, can the canadian in you guys is you know there's so many three-piece <laughs> bands out there like triumph and rush and, and 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 you know it's like you guys seem to make it work out there redundant it, it made no difference what, what we discovered it made no difference whether we had two lead guitars or not right it made no difference to have two guys that sing and, and we were thinking that and we thought okay well you know we thought glenn could sing but in reality it's not proper it's not 
Singing along with me and barely cutting it, even doing that is not is not doing backup vocals. Right. Right. So tell me a little bit Chris, about. Go ahead. Chris is is a phenomenon. Yeah. As far as as far as figuring out harmonies, because he's one of those kind of guys that he goes right in and goes right up to the mic and sings in harmony but not of any harmony that the producer asks. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> sing the third. Give me a, a, give me a fifth. He'll sing the fifth. Give me mm. a seventh. A seventh. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, and he's never saying it before. Huh. You know what I mean? It's not, it has that instant, I can do that. Yeah. And you know, and singing, singing, and to me, it's like shit. You know, <laughs> I listen to sometimes make guide tracks because I can't, I can't. It's really hard to capture notes with your voice that you haven't, that you haven't learned to do. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Practicing it a number of times and doing, doing it over and over and over until you get the, oh that's where it is right you know, the feeling where is it to the ear to the throat where is that note where does it lie and there's a, 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 a quickness or the way that the, 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 the regular just the way your brain works but for whatever wacky reason Chris can hear it. It, without without even thinking about it, and, and here we are, I got to struggle with it. So sometimes it's like I need to I need to put a second a second track. What is it going to be? And so can you? Can you and, and I don't know. It's got to be these notes, but every time I'm going to try it, I can't I can't capture. Can you go out and sing that, and then I'll match myself to you. So it's the guide track for me. Wow, that's cool. You know, what's what's amazing is you two, you and Rob are, you know, two characters in this band, two wild uh, characters, but you seem to have found a a more of a personality with with, uh, Chris as the bass player. He's got the, he's got, you know... The interplay between between this you know a drummer and this bass player is I I I never heard such because they're both really really super players okay they they can play anything (laughs) I mean virtually anything and everything you know it's uh, and it's sometimes it's like I have to pull the reins back because it goes too far ah. Thing with the producer, the producer has to go look at that. You just need to do a. a you, you guys are filling every hole. And you're, you're, you're killing the song. <laughs> you get, you get, sometimes you gotta let it breathe, right? Exactly. You just need to hit three notes there. <laughs> That's great. Tell me the 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 moment that you heard, or I don't know if you got it by a phone call or someone got a hold of you when built when your album Strength of Steel on Metal Blade Records hit on Billboard 200. And what was that feeling like? 
the same as it was the day before I, uh, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You weren't happy at all to go, wow, we finally, we finally at least got some kind of accomplishment, you know? Well, or like notoriety, not right, a yeah. Right, right. And in 87, I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal in 87. Uh, it, it didn't feel like it. Yeah. See, you're. No, it at all. Yeah. Yeah. It was, actually, it was a pretty bad disappointment, to be honest with you. Hmm. The, outcome of, the outcome of strength of steel was, and, and in fact, it, it's, it's interesting that we're having this discussion is because it's the second time today. <laughs> is that right? I mean, by that, I just, I, just previous to this, I was on the phone with Dave Allison, huh. who's still good friends and a huge advocate of course for Anvil and always has been and you know we're talking about that that album and for whatever reason man you know it, it, it's the momentum from the first three albums got lost hmm. time you, you know you, you finished it you did, did the third album in 83 came out in 83 and then you don't come out with an album until 1987 mm -hmm. all the momentum was dead. was dead and then on top of it we signed with a with a, a, a you know a B, a B class label not a major label with who's not gonna who's not gonna give you two support and you're not gonna get on a on a proper real tour you're not gonna, you know all the things that you need to make that need to happen to make a difference are all missing. Yeah. Um, to me, at the, at the end of the day, I mean, that's why that's why Dave Allison ultimately left is because of the disappointments that happened once we signed to Metal Blade. The real, really, really sad time because we were on a much a much higher level previous to that. Yeah. Let's go in a totally different direction. You're talking to a couple of musicians. So, you know, your documentary is beloved by people who aren't even in bands, but it certainly speaks even more so to people like he and I who tried to make it and, and never did. So you're truly an inspiration to people like us. But I want to pick your brain about your gear, because when I watched uh, uh, you do a, a video, a breakdown of your gear, I honestly was a little bit surprised at your setup. It, it's it's pretty uh, simplistic, I guess, but you get this amazing tone and you, you know, it, it goes through, you've got some boss pedals and you've got a, like an old Takai distortion pedal. What really blew me away is you run that, is it right that you run that through Fender Twins that are set completely clean? Tell me a little more yeah. about your setup. Well, I discovered very, very, at a very young age, and in fact, I, I, there's a, a photograph that's on my Instagram. If you go through all my photographs, there's a picture of me playing when I was about 17 or 18. And I'm plugged into a, a Fender basement. Hmm. Of course, it's the, it's the fundamental original amp of all amps. Right. That everything, everything ever, ever made was made from the circuitry of a Fender basement. Okay. 
it's, and that includes Marshall, that includes Fender Twins, and that was the Fender. That was the first Fender amps of all time. Was the Fender basement, basically, okay. um, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. It's it's really really amazing, and what I discovered that it is that Fender amps sound really good with preamps. Whether it's a distortion pedal, whether it's it's just something that overdrives, like it they can handle being overdriven, and it it isn't a broken up tone. So what happened was I plugged, I used to plug this thing called a LPB one, a power booster made by Electro Harmonics. Hmm. It, it was it was a box with a fill. And and a male end on the other end, and you just stuck that into the input of your amp, and then plugged your guitar into it. So it's not a it's not a pedal. It's just it's just plugged in to the box, and it was really small, and it just plugged into the front of this Fender basement. What a tone! And then what about your guitar? Because this blew me away even more. You so rarely see metal musicians play semi-hollow body electrics. How, how did you fall in love with that guitar? I don't know. They just don't know that there's, you know, it's for not knowing. Mm. It's because they're not usable. It's because they, they just don't know. Okay. And the other thing is, as soon as they pick up what is normally normally a, a, a semi-acoustic, is is not very fashionable. Right. How guitar goes. Right. You know, the, 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 certainly the shape of the Les Paul is what they used to make the, the semi-hollows, but a lot a lot smaller. Right. So that became preferred is to have the small little body that looked like the, the big semi hollow and, and, and including including the the the, 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 the round top it's not a flat top it's it's got the, the, the rounded body okay uh, that's that's generally uh, the, the thing about, about last pause that you know it almost looks like it's a hollow body but it's not right but, Kind of contradicts what I'm saying, but generally speaking, uh, these big, huge body guitars were not that. Certainly for Chuck Berry, it was okay, but <laughs> I was not using something like that. <laughs> right. Well, it's certainly a a a, a kick-ass uh, tone, and yes. I love your I love the sound, and and I like your the, your intro. You you guys come out, and, and a lot of your shows you you have the uh, March of the Crabs uh, in, uh, intro, but you have Dave Grohl because Dave Grohl he introduced you guys during I guess one of the premieres for your for your documentary, and then you guys ended up using that as your intro before you even come out on stage. Of uh, Dave Grohl introducing you, I mean, what an honor. What an honor to have Dave Grohl introduce you guys, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it goes even further than that. It's all spiritual because there's, I mean, the, the, the first time I ever met the guy was at, the, it was at that, 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 that film festival, you know. It yeah. was at the, the, the Spirit Awards, right? And I'm standing outside the place and a museum pulls up and 
And this guy with long hair gets out with holding a guitar case with a, a, this girl with him. And as it's getting closer, I go, ah, that guy looks really familiar. And, it's, and he puts the guitar case down beside me. He goes, hi, I'm Bob Grohl. This is a present I'm giving you. It's a Gibson semi-hollow. And the only is going to understand and comprehend what this ultimately means. Wow. <laughs> How cool. That's awesome. So cool, man. So- inspiring me and for being such a, a, a warrior for the for the cause yes he, he gave me a guitar that's probably worth somewhere in the neighborhood dollars good grief that's incredible wow i've got one last question for you and and we'll start wrapping this up thank you again for your time and fighting through the technical issues what do you still want to accomplish with anvil in the remaining years that you guys will continue to do this accomplish it's it's not about accomplishment it's about continuing okay you know my my, my idea of what success is is not generally what not what the public would probably go along with <laughs> right but it's you know it's, I, I say uh, i say uh, i ex, you know i express a lot of what those things are in the movie so it's a no surprise you know it's not about money you know what it's not about it's not even about it's about doing as much as you can in your lifetime is what yes. it is and how much can you get done that's actually what it's more more about than anything else. It's how much you actually get done, how many places you've been, how many people you've met. You know, it's not it's not just a monetary thing. It's, it isn't. You know, how many songs have I written? Right. How many albums have I done? Mm. The guy who's done the most wins. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell uh, what promoting. So you guys, how fulfilled is your life? Is the is the ultimate is the ultimate answer. So what do I want to do? I want more fulfillment. I want more, more of the same, more of different, more anything. As long as it's more. <laughs> so you're just as hungry as you were during the making of the movie. Is what I'm taking away from that. Absolutely, I mean, I, you know, a, a, a person that I that I look up to with with so much respect is a guy like Mick Jagger. What has he got to prove? Right. Not even not. Right. It's the yeah. same shit. It's Absolutely. the same. Shit. Absolutely. It's just a different day. That's all. It's it's really it's really the same thing. Yeah. The same thing that that drives somebody who's got everything hmm. same thing that drives the person that's got nothing great perspective you know a, a title of your of an album that you have uh yeah. pou- pounding the pavement and that documentary showed you guys pounding the pavement pretty hard and i'm sure you were pounding the pavement from the 80s and 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 until now what's the difference uh pounding the pavement and promoting your band from the early days to now, what, what's what's promoting their band like today as it was uh, it, yesteryears? Yeah, and, and to, to, it, it's interesting because you know people looked at, at the Anvil career and they go, "Your your first three years were your were your your big years." Well, actually, no. <laughs> hmm. Right. 
the last 15 years have been years and the best years that I've lived in this band to the point to the point where I haven't stopped working since the movie wow and that whether that's writing writing a song and working at, at writing the songs and it has been non-stop yeah, I can imagine it's been crazy. Yeah, no more, uh, no more uh, working the daily job, uh, delivering food, none of that shit, right? <laughs> I just have time for it. Um, like I said, I did two hundred shows last year. What the hell? Come on, man. That's, That's crazy. incredible. Good for you, man. It's like it's not, it's it's not no, no fooling, and it's not like I'm twenty years old, right? Right. That's amazing. Well, definitely a phenomenon, and and we are blessed to have that movie. And I'm glad that you guys re-released it. Um, yes. I know it. They had you guys added some more uh, features of what was going on with the band uh, today. So you guys got there's bonus uh, features, uh, bonus footage in there. And it, thank you so much for coming on with us. Yes. Uh, you're an inspiration to many of us rock and roll uh, musicians out there who, who who struggle every day. We're pounding the pavement, man. <laughs> and and uh, we appreciate you so much. Thank you, Lips, for your time. Everybody's got that story. Everybody. And one of them doesn't, and they make it. Well, you so- are... Tr- the grand total is, and whether, whether anybody wants to know the realities, the stuff my mother said, my sons chose to not make money. <laughs> yeah. It's to be a musician. It's a, it's a sacrifice. It's a life sacrifice, not just a, uh, the only time you're going to make money is if you gain some serious, serious headway. It has to be pretty damn serious before you're going to ever see a nickel. Okay, it's just it's just the way it is, and it's even harder to do it today than it's ever been before, because there is no infrastructure. There's not really any. There's no money to be made from recorded music. True. The excitement over a band is about put out their album, and then it's over. It's on to the next. Right. Um, and everybody desperately tries to stretch that out as long as they can. Now, as bands are putting out their music a, a song at a time, a month at a time, so people have to finally put the album out, and then then they go on tour. They have to gain. It takes a lot more publicity and and time to gain credibility. People to come to the shows to buy to pay to your shows and to buy your merchandise because that's where you're making your money because everyone is paid by streaming and stuff like that which is to what it once upon a time was when you got paid royalties for CD sales and album sales yeah. There's still money, in, it's relatively a bit of money in that, but the, the true reality is when, if you're waiting for checks in the mail from the royalties, you're going to be waiting because it takes a hell of a lot of record sales and 
airplay airplay which is if you're not the taste of today you're not getting any radio right yeah how's that if you if you if, you know if you might get on 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 uh, you know on the, 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 the digital radio but only people with digital radio and listening to that particular kind of that particular station is ever going to hear about you it's true so Thank Everything, everything has its limitations. It's way, way harder to make it. We haven't got record companies paying for tour support. The bigger band. Where's okay? Answer this question, and it says it says so much. When was the last time you saw some twenty-year-old guys playing in arena? Yeah, yeah. It's a different world, like you uh, said. Yeah. Uh, we we got to see you at Rocklahoma here here uh, we're just right down the street from Pryor, Oklahoma, and you guys were uh, performed at Rocklahoma. You guys are playing, you know, the Vakin Open Air Festivals. You're doing a lot of good stuff, and we hope to see you soon, man. And 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 good luck to you guys, and and continue on your your success, man. Continue it on. Thank you, Lips. Okay, have a good day. You too, yeah. buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. All right, guys, we thank you all for hanging in there. There was nothing we could do about the audio on his end. But for those of you who stuck it out, uh, we appreciate you all watching. Um, it was a little tough for us to hear him at times, which is why we weren't more engaged with the chat room and the comments today. But thank you for uh, sticking in there with us. Um, stuff I wanted to, to mention, you know, I wanted to mention it with him while he was on is I think it goes without saying I, you know, and I, met, I mentioned it before he came on. Do watch the movie. There's another thing I want I want you guys to watch. Um, it's pretty weird for a podcast to refer you to a, a different podcast, but I want everybody that's watching go check out a guy named Rich Roll in the podcast he did. It's an over two hour podcast where they talk with uh, Sasha Gervasi, who is the the guy behind the making of the Anvil documentary. Let me tell you what, if every band out there trying to make it had a Sasha in their back pocket, they would, uh, they'd, they'd stand a chance. This guy put everything on the line for Anvil and, and his, uh, making of that movie obviously changed their lives forever, but go to that rich roll podcast, look, look up rich roll and look up Anvil. And it's, it's basically like a, a play by play, just blow by blow timeline reaccount of how Sasha met Anvil their journey to trying to make in it that, you know, the making of the movie, it's absolutely incredible. And, and I'm, the audio is not distorted on that one. No. So please go check that out. But um, what an inspirational story. I mean, you know, obviously he and I, we, we tried to make it in bands. We still play in cover bands. You watch that and I don't care if you're a metal fan or not. It's just such an inspirational movie about, the human spirit, the never giving up, never being willing to quit, um, even in situations where, you know, you're needing support, you need a record label to believe in you, you need a manager to believe in you, you don't have that. So you just dig down deep and you find a way to produce the resources needed yourself or maybe with your family around you. And there's a scene in the movie where the sister uh, gives them financing to go make the the album that you see being made in the movie. Man, we all need a sister like that. We all need that support. And those guys just never gave up. So by all means, go check out that documentary. 
and be inspired. Yeah, I mean, that's why I kind of brought up the Metallica's uh, some kind of monster where it's a contrast of the two. You know, one is the, them in the studio and trying to figure out, you know, how to stay on top. Yeah. You know, Metallica is trying yeah. to figure out how to reinvent make, themselves. Make this work yeah. and, and, and they're not getting along and, and they've already, you know, they have everything handed to them on a silver platter where then on the flip side of things, <laughs> these guys are, you know, on in a, in a little van and then they're trying to go through cold weather and snow working and, and day and jobs, working day jobs, like, horrible, like not horrible, but hard day jobs, you know, and they're, they're in through airports and all this shit. And it's like, you know, basically the peanut butter and jelly sandwich tour, you know, and, <laughs> and, and it's, it's so much more inspirational to see these guys roughing it out and, and, and trying to get it, catch a break. Whereas Metallica are just trying to find a way to stay on top. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's, it's a little bit... Uh... <laughs> it's, it's different levels of challenges. Absolutely. We, we all have challenges. You but know. yeah, Sasha uh, was a, a great a great um, connection for, the, for, for them. Yeah. He was a fan uh, that they found uh, on the road, and he was a huge fan, and they... they put him on the van with him and, and as a road crew and he went around with them as a 15, 15 year old kid. And, um, and then he will later on went away and started doing, uh, uh, screen work as I guess with, uh, St- Steven still Spielberg. Steve, yeah. And, and he's like con- contacted them and said, Hey, I want to make a movie. Come on, come out to LA. And, uh, and they started doing a documentary. So, blessings man right there no kidding i i wish our audio connection with him had been better because i i wanted to ask him maybe someday we can have him back when he's when all it's, the way out there in canada do There's you think probably, that has a lot to do oh, with it so far away the, the, the weather is probably not great so yeah. there's probably a lot to it's that heartbreaking you know? when we we try so hard to to bring a good show and then some kind of technical glitch that we have no control over kind of messes it up but again thank you for fighting through that you can make out a lot of what he's saying it's just kind of distorted yeah, and i didn't i didn't want to just cut him off i know and, and it's kind didn't of either. ruined you know i know it's like he he, he was up for it that's and, right and so i just thought you know let's just go through them go through it and and ask him these questions and 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 uh um, fight through fight through it and and hopefully we'll i don't know if there's any of it sal- salvageable but well, hopefully we'll, we'll check it out. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask him, like when, when he found out that the movie was going to be made, uh, did it kind of cross his mind how many of the non glamorous elements were going to be captured on film? And if any of that scared him, I mean, it, it's, it is so hard, you know, making it in music is so hard. I mean, there's just so many that they, they're there's, they miss trains, you know, they don't get paid. There's a scene where this guy tries to pay them with goulash instead of, of money. And yeah. it's just, you got to check it out. Great movie. Anvil. But thanks. Thanks everyone for, um, of course, chatting with us in the chat room and, uh, viewing our interview. You can always, uh, Make sure you hit like on our YouTube and you know follow us on Facebook if you haven't already. Um, we appreciate you guys, but we do have some sponsors. We do. Let's talk about Psychomo Filmworks. If you guys are in a band or have a business and you're needing a, a video made, this is your guy. Email psychomo at gmail.com for more information and he will hook you up with a quality video. 
Our buddy Doug Burgess, DEB Concerts, congratulations on your first show at the Vanguard here in Tulsa. You guys need to pick up your tickets for Saturday, April 6th. There will be uh, Lita Ford and Last in Line live there in concert that night. $40 for general admission tickets or... If you're old and broke down like me, you can pay 80 and sit up in the mezzanine. It's a very cool area. That would be money well spent. You guys get your tickets at stubwire.com. Again, that show is Saturday, April 6th. Lita Ford and Last in Line, DEB Concerts. Thank you for your continued support of Tulsa Music Stream. We also want to thank Dustin Little. Dustin is the reason you guys are able to catch Music Stream on multiple platforms. We appreciate his support. If you have any IT needs, call Dustin at 918-640-0892 or email Dustin at okiepc.com. If your band or business is needing some great looking new photos, contact the Shipmans at shipmanphotos.com. Your branding done right. If you have screen printing needs, you need some t-shirts or hoodies made up, Todd Cook is your man. Email Todd at identitymerch.com or call 918-521-5660. He can also hook you up with some Tulsa Music Stream merch. Just click our website link on our Facebook page. It'll take you to the merch store where you can order some. Like Scott told you, we are uh, viewable on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Our march towards 1,000 subscribers on YouTube continues. Make sure you go there. Click subscribe and hit the little notification bell so you'll know anytime we go live. If audio is your thing, check us out on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Thank you guys again for fighting through that. We appreciate it. Mark Morris says that was an amazing interview. Thank you, Mark. We appreciate it. Leslie says Scott is rocking the facial hair. She likes your beard. Yeah, most women do. Most. It's okay. I've act- it's actually growing on me. Oh, growing on me. Yeah, it is growing on you. Uh, oh, Leslie says we had the closed caption so we could read what he was saying. Yeah, you always got to remember this stuff, man. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. That's, that's smart stuff right there. All right, guys, that's all we got. We're going to go back to work and be booking some more artists so we can bring more episodes. The next one we do is going to be episode 100. So we Yeah, the big 100, and, and we want ice cream and cake and all sorts of shit. Little, maybe some, uh, some hats and some, uh, what do they call those little blowers? <laughs> little, uh, uh, Party favors? Yeah, party favors. Blowers, whatever blowers. they're called. You guys stay warm. We love we you. We need have, blowers. Yeah, we do. <laughs> have, a, have a great week, and thanks, Tim Kroger, for tuning in. We appreciate your support, all you guys who were here. We'll see you next time on Tulsa Music Stream. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Take care.